Hi, good morning, everybody. This is MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. Welcome. And we have a special guest today. How would you like to be identified to our listeners out there in the world? Uh, Well, the way that I usually introduce myself in meetings is I'm Lisa, and I'm a big old Al-Anon. Welcome, Lisa. (laughs) A big old... (laughs) Unequivocal. It's like I admit it and I own it, and I love that, and it always gets such a big chuckle. And so, you know, I, I, I hear you. I see you. I know it's true. And what I have to say to our listeners is that the, one of the reasons why I wanted to invite Lisa is because I make up. This is my story, only my story, but from observing you over these years is that you're fucking happy. And that means to me that you're working like a kick-ass Al-Anon program. Now, I don't know. Facebook can lie. But it And seems, does. And every does. day. Right. It's because like, you look at that and you make up these stories. Right. Oh, they're all happy. Right. Exactly. And then I get back and it's like, what, you're divorcing? I don't know. Yeah. Facebook, wait, you know. <laughs> but um, But I really see that. And I, you know, see you in the community. And I see you around. And, like, the peace that I see within your demeanor uh, is that, once again, what I make up is that you've done your work, you continue to do your work, you continue to show up, which I love because it models for me, like someone was saying, I'm just, I'm like dealing with the fact that I'm really pissed off that I have to come into these rooms. (laughs) Did you ever go through that phase? Yeah. But you better let go of it it, quick, you know? I mean, you have to. Well, and I it's just a life learned, sentence. Yeah, you know, I've learned I mean, through experience that I have to. It's and what's so know, bad about it, really? It's where I, it's where I get recharged, um, and I get reminded because it's so easy to forget when you're out there, outside of the rooms. So, well, um, and that brings me to the you know what we do try to do in this podcast is to. You know, I always say it's really easy to be sober in a meeting, you know. Yeah. But um, you got to take that stuff outside into the world and, and work it and, and kind of be able to reevaluate yourself and go like, there's something going on here and I've got a part in it. And what is that and what can I adjust and what can I change? And that's what we try to do here is try to, you know, just bring that to the, to the listener. Mm-hmm. Sure. Show them how we do this in the world. Perfectly or imperfectly. Well, and you know, and I've got a friend that's like, she says, I'm not a slow learner, I'm a fast forgetter. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I like, love to hang on to. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're talking around Al-Anon issues today, and I have a little bit of a success to report. You know, I have an alcoholic brother who is still actively drinking, and he's retired. And so now all he does is he just sits on his couch, watches TV, and he drinks. Mm. Now, who am I to say that that's a bad choice? It's his choice to live his life how he, how he wishes. But at Christmas, I went to go see him, and he wasn't feeling well, and I wasn't feeling well, and it was a fucking disaster. Mm. And I had wanted to like show him how much I loved him, and I bought him all these gifts, and he brought, bought me none. He'd already mailed me a gift card, like, previously. So there was nothing for me to unwrap. And I brought him probably, like, seven gifts, big gifts. Like, you know, I got him, like, a Keurig. You know, I mean, it was like, it was like... And I was like, why the fuck did I do that? Right? Mm -hmm. And then, when he didn't like any of it, and, like, gushed over his friends giving him, like, some, you know, dollar store strainers, 
oh my god, I've been wanting these, you know, and I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I mean, it, it was just, it was really devastating to me. And, uh, and so I really got a chance to like have some space from him and to figure out why and why was I motivated to do that. So last night I went to see a play down in Clear Lake where he lives like five minutes from his house and I thought, I can't be that shitty sister where I go down five minutes to, from his house. I could, I could make that choice, <laughs> but I didn't want to. I didn't want to, but I had to be very concrete. And so what I feel like I got from Al-Anon were a lot of really good tools. And one of the tools is about limiting time with family members, yeah. making it very structured. Boundaries. It's a boundary. Mm -hmm. So I had like a, you know, an interview with the directors at 6.30. We were done at 6.45. I went and stayed, visited with him for like 45 minutes. We didn't go out. We didn't go to the restaurant. We just we stayed in his house. And he was great. He was fine. He was in... You know, like, you know, like I call him like, you know, at the top part of his behavior. He mm. was funny. He was welcoming. Uh, we had a great visit. And then I'm done. I'm out of there. And so I remember in Al-Anon, like when I was really in it, about talking about boundaries and about visiting. Like you take your own car. Right. Like, you know, you don't stay with them. You stay at a hotel. Mm -hmm. All these different things. Uh, easy does it was a real big, uh, one of the phrases that, you know, we co-opted from AA. But for me as an Al-Anon was key. So uh, Elizabeth had a topic that she wanted to talk around this. And it's the idea here. You, you, you present it. Well, as I was sharing with um, Lisa and MG before we started, is I have a sponsee who um, is in a new relationship and she wants to change him. And I think, you know, I married somebody with that idea. Like I thought, you know, well, I remember I was young, I was 19 and we got married and um, we got married because I was pregnant and... I thought he would change. I really did. I thought he would grow. You know, our sex life was really kind of warped and um, almost non-existent. And I thought as he grew and I just thought he would change. And I kept doing these sort of manipulative things. I didn't think that I'm just trying to help, you know, mm. he, here's a job, you know, here's, <laughs> let me see your resume. Let me do your resume. Let me send your resume out. You know, uh, I did all of that stuff. Wow. And, um, I remember reading, I, and I was talking to, um, my sponsee this morning. This was years ago. Um, I work at the Houston Chronicle and we get a lot of um, preprints on books mm -hmm. and I got one and it was called The Surrendered Single not something that would normally appeal to me but I picked it up and I started reading it and I realized that because that's really the I think the author's name is Laura Doyle and that's really her message is look you met this person like this don't try to make them like this. Leave them alone. And I was like, you know, my husband and I had already broken up. And I realized, though, that's that's what I was doing. And um, my therapist, when I would go to therapy and it'd be enmeshed or, you know, complain about my kids or something, she would always say, you know, usually when we're doing that, it's there's something within us. And so I would be like, well, what am I, you know, what am I ignoring? What am I which is what I did. So that's kind of my topic is like, you know, what 
you know, who are you trying to change? Well, you know, and, I'm <laughs> and what are you avoiding in yourself in order to do so? Well, That's, and you know, with yeah. my with my brother, I mean, I had to realize, listen, I can't stop drinking Diet Coke. How the hell am I gonna, you know, get him to stop drinking mm-hmm. by being this shining example of sobriety and recovery? You know. <laughs> So Lisa, give us your your uh, experience, strength, and hope around around that. And like, have you tried to change people? Oh, like, dear Lord. And what what was your solution? You know, how do you? Well, um, well, prior to Al-Anon, that's what I was all about in in relationships. It was. It seemed like if you know the more. If you were homeless, jobless, and carless, ooh baby. That's what I was drawn to. There's my project. Because, yes, there's my new project. And, you know, I can fix you. You know, just stick with me and I'll change your <laughs> life and show you how it's done. And, you know, here's how you do it. And, you know, I'll mold you into oh, what I think you should be. That, and I can do it. You know. I, it makes me so uncomfortable to hear because mm. it is. This is you know. And had no idea that that's what I was doing, but that's exactly what I was doing. And, you know, what I look, well, I wasn't even aware that that's what I was attracted to. But once I got into Al-Anon, I, I, that's one of the first messages that I got was that this, I, I got into Al-Anon because of a relationship I was in. Um, I was, uh, she was a big old drug addict, alcoholic, and she um, decided to, seek some help finally um she went into a 30-day program and i thought well you know i've heard about this Al-Anon thing and uh, they can probably tell me how to deal with her you know yeah. they'll show me how yeah. to they give me some tips they'll show me how to fix her you know i'm gonna have to live with her when she comes back she won't be drinking what i do I how i lock everything yes, up yeah. and hide well, it they'll show, they'll show me how to do this and one of those first Ugh. messages that i got was that this isn't about her. It's about me. It's not. It's not the alcoholics and other dysfunctional people in my life. It's how I choose to respond to them. Um, that was one of the first big ahas I got, and I also very quickly became aware of the fact that, man, I've been attracted to all these really dis- dysfunctional people. Why is that? You know, why am I attracted to these people that are just so damaged, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and what did you, what was the answer to that question? Well, I think because that's what I grew up in. Family of origin. Yeah. And it, family of origin. Yeah. And both my, my mother and my father um, were alcoholics. My mother's a recovering alcoholic, and she's been sober for 35 years now. That's amazing. I yeah. am. Um, but um, Daddy was also a big old alcoholic too, and he came from an alcoholic family. It's just you know all right. that right just goes on and on and on forever and ever until somebody <laughs> does something about it. Um, so that's where I learned all of that. That's what was familiar, so that's what I was attracted to. Um, but what I discovered is I. There's a there's a different way, you know. Just becoming aware that that's what I've been doing, and then right. well, that's the, the next question is, well, why do I do that? Yeah. What's that about? Right. 
Um, and how can I change that? And that's what Al-Anon has right. done for me and gave me those tools and gave me a different perspective. Um, that's been everything. So we can, you know, kind of get the listener to relate to what's the payoff? What were you getting out of projects? (laughs) Well, I didn't, it was a way to distract me from having to look at myself. Exactly. If I can focus on you and all of your faults. I don't have to look at me. Yeah, I don't have to look at me. Now, this was not a conscious choice I was making, but that's precisely what I was doing. Um, and you know, if, if you're all right, I'm okay. Right. Um, I had no idea what my own wants and needs were. Um, I had no idea that I deserve to acknowledge them and that it's okay for me to do things for myself and take care of myself, I had no clue. Well, I can remember like when I was a young kid, because I lived right across the street from my school. So I could just go home from school. And I loved that my, I was a latchkey kid. And I loved it, because I was like, I've got two hours before my mother gets home from work. Mm -hmm. And then it was always like, you know, this anticipation, like if she's in a good mood, I can be in a good mood. If she's going to be angry, then I need to watch out. And so it was sort of like I always kind of like watched her like coming in the door, like try to read her body language. I think that that's why I love being an actor now because it's like I've done deep observation of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, what does that look like? And to be able to know because it was like my my okay was uh, tied into somebody else's okay. And if she was not okay, then I was not okay. Right. And so that was like such a big learning curve for me is that you can be a wreck and I can be okay. And I really love that because it really helps me now with my sponsees when they're going through a lot of crazy shit. I'm just like over here in my little serene bubble. I'm like, you know, levitating and I'm just like so grateful that I'm not, you know, in a lot of anxiety and pain. Yeah. Yeah. So what was one of the, like, I love, like, in Al-Anon, the different, like, uh, they have, like, acronyms and letters and, like, you know, you were talking about awareness. And they have the three A's of Al-Anon. Mm-hmm. Awareness, acceptance, and then action. Mm-hmm. I love that. What's another favorite one that, that you um, you use on a regular basis? Oh, boy. Um so many. Um, well, let go and let God. It's so simple. That's the thing about the slogans. They're so simple. Yeah. But to someone like me, a big old Al-Anon, it's so difficult to practice in real life. Right. You know, well, it sounds so easy. Yeah. Let go and just let go. Okay. Well... <laughs> Well, and for, for someone, time, I'm so used to you know thinking I can control everything, yeah. and it's my responsibility to control everything. It's really difficult, to right? Because like if you take MG's example of like being the kid, like mm-hmm. waiting, and if you're you know a young child, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you're basing your whole okayness on when mom comes home, yeah, then 
it's challenging. I mean, you've probably got that bag and you've taken it with you your whole life and you don't know, how do I put it down? I don't know how. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was first in AA and they would say things like that, you got to let go. And I'm like, where are the instructions? Right. You know, how? how do you do that? What does that mean? I don't get it. I don't like these arbitrary yeah. instructions. I want to know specifically. Well, and another, another one that, you know, kind of helped me begin to start to practice is act as if. And so what I've learned over the years from experience is that it really does work if I get out of the way. Even though it terrifies me that I don't know what's going to happen and my default is to expect the worst, what I've learned is the worst doesn't happen most often. Right. Something completely unexpected happens when I get out of the way. And my little imagination is not big enough to be able to imagine what my higher powers picture of that is right you know right 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 I, i can imagine what i think the ideal situation is and what turns out is so much better than what i imagined because we don't have that view of ourselves, like yeah. our highest version. You know, yeah. we think like we make a little bit of progress. Oh my God! You know, I remember yesterday in the meeting, um, one of the new newer women. She said, "And I'm recovered now." And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> honey, you're not. <laughs> there isn't any. You know, it's it's a life sentence, and it's not yeah. as it's or it's a life choice. And yeah. For me, that's this. I feel lucky that we get to come in here and or go into a meeting, go into a program, and get. That's what I was going to say. It, I, my my view is not that it's a life sentence. It, that you can look at it that way, but it's it's a life choice. I've learned that if I don't keep coming back, um, I start slipping into old behaviors. Right. Um, it's so easy, and it's so weird how that happens, but it sure does. And I'm the last to know. <laughs> Well, but suddenly they, I realized the mess I They'll creep back. It's yeah. like, you know, it, yeah. it, it'll come up in a, in a different way. You know, you'll yeah. have conflict with someone else and you'll be like, I'm here. Like, yeah. I didn't think I would be here, you know, but then you just have to kind of like. Well, and I have to look at it like it really is. Alanonism is a disease for which I have to get treatment. Um, it's just, I, I'm a type 1 diabetic. I've been insulin dependent since I was 11 years old. I have to take insulin. I have to do things to take care of myself around that. It's I have to, you know. It's a pain in the ass. It's but a pain it's in the to. ass, but I have to. It's how I can manage it. Otherwise, it manages me. It's the same thing with mm-hmm. Al-Anon and right. meetings and and the program. Mm-hmm. I have to keep going back to get treatment, and it, right. you know, the big book it, says we are we are given a daily reprieve. Yeah, from the addiction based upon. A fit spiritual condition mm-hmm. in a t- very uh, you know the analogy of the diabetes is very true it's like you have a daily reprieve ba- maybe an even from breakfast to lunch reprieve based upon <laughs> you taking care of your food and and, and injecting insulin you know yeah. knowing what your blood sugar is it's very it's the same thing and I need that constant you know because my stuff squeezes out it's like you know my stuff my desire to control and help somebody yeah. <laughs> shows up in my children, my adult children. And I have to be like really, really 
um, cautious, uh, you know, just very, very careful. Like, don't enable and don't help, you know, just offer support, you know. Thankfully, I have people in my life where I can go like, I don't know what to do, what should I do, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, vomit my stuff out and try to control somebody. Right, right. Well, and, and one of the things I wanted to talk about, like, because I feel like Elizabeth and I, we've got double-digit sobriety, and I feel like you have double-digit serenity, and, uh, you know, I like to think about, because that's when I think about, like, for Al-Anonism, it's not about sobriety, per se, because that would be looking towards someone else's sobriety, mm-hmm. but for me, it's like a measure of my serenity, and like, how serene am I, how, like, you know, uh, turned over am I, like, when I can turn it over, and so one of the things that I feel like has been a challenge for me is that as I grow in program and as I stay sober and as I stay connected in all my other other programs, like how it's changed. So, you know, how was it for you at the beginning? And then, you know, what is it like now? Well, it, it, the beginning, it was... It, it, Al-Anon was so complete, the whole concept of it was so completely new and I was in a fog. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what a feeling was. Mm. Um, I had no idea what my feelings were about anything other than, you know, oh, I'm fine. And, you know, yeah, things are good. I'm happy. <laughs> or, you know, I'm horribly depressed. And I knew nothing in between. I knew, I did not know how to identify my own feelings um, and that I had a right to them. Did you do therapy? Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, but I found so much in Al-Anon that I was not expecting. I mean, I know it's not a, you know, it doesn't address all issues. Um, that there are, you know, I do have other issues that have to be addressed in other ways that Al-Anon is not designed. Um, but it, it helps in so many different ways. There's so many different aspects of my life that I can apply those principles to, uh, that it helps. But um, I, I think being as naive as I was, um, but at the same time, just, you know, learning that I've got feelings and and discovering how much I had been stuffing. I had no idea how much and how long I had been stuffing so many feelings for so long. The the very first Al-Anon meeting that I went to, there was like five of us. It was a beginner's meeting and there were only about five people. So I was gonna have to share. No hiding and, in the back. No, no. And, you know, I, I'm just, I felt like a deer in the headlights, you know, just listening to people. And then the the leader, you know, asked me to share. And I started talking about what was going on, which was my girlfriend at the time being uh, in rehab. And as soon as I started talking, it all came out. And I just started sobbing, which was horrifying to me at the time you know crying in front of a group of strangers oh my god but at the same time there was no stopping that it was floodgates opened and I just sobbed to the whole meeting and everybody was so sweet you know throughout the meeting and at the end everybody came up to me and you know were very supportive and encouraged me to keep coming back which I did it 
it, nothing surprised me more than the fact that I went to the next meeting. The second meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're like, I'm fucking <laughs> never going back there. Yeah, that was horrible, but something about it felt like home. Yes. And felt very safe. And I don't think I had experienced that kind of feeling before, and I knew I liked it, and it was good for me, even though I didn't like it, but I went back, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, was there anybody it, in the room that you kind of went like, I want to be like that, mm, like, I, or were you even able to do that at No, that point? not in that meeting. That came later mm-hmm. um, in a bigger meeting that I started going to. Um, but what I do remember in that very first meeting, the steps were up on a poster on the wall, and I remember looking up at them and reading them and thinking, you know, that just sounds like a really good way for anybody to live their life, you know? Right. Not just yes. alcoholics or Al-Anons or whatever. That just sounds like a really healthy way to live your life. <laughs> right. Well, and for those people out there who are lucky enough not to have any major addictions or struggles around alcoholism yeah. or anything... You can apply the 12 steps to your life. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend that's struggling, and she doesn't have any major addictions, but she just comes from a really dysfunctional family. And I, like, told her about the 12 steps, and she was writing them down. I'm like, I can send them to you. She goes, no, I like to hear you say them. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was, like, writing that's them nice. down. And so yeah. I think that it, it can apply. And I like to say, I don't know how it works, but it does. Well, and the other thing that happened after... Going to Al-Anon for a while. Um, ultimately, um, I did break up with my girlfriend because she it, it it was too difficult for me to focus on my own recovery. Yeah, with her, being with her. Um, yeah, it was just she sucked all the air out of the room, <laughs> and I I just really couldn't focus on myself the way I needed to, and I knew for my own sanity. I needed to get out of there, so I did that. Because there was no changing her. You got that message pretty quick, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Um, Yeah, ultimately, yes. And so, then I found myself, I, I realized, my God, I don't have any friends. I had completely isolated myself and alienated myself from all the people that I really cared about, and... You know, slowly my friends went by the wayside and I realized, I don't really have any friends. How do I do this? How do I get new friends? And the idea of finding new friends in In Al-Anon was so (laughs) abhorrent to me. I remember talking about it with a a program friend going, I don't want to find, you know, there's nothing but a bunch of fucked up people in there. And, And she goes, you know, I don't... I think there's probably a lot of really great people who are there for the same reason. And I realize as she's saying this to me, you know, they're all just like me. They're, I, I'm just as screwed up and I'm there seeking help and recovery just like they are. So why wouldn't I want to sure. find... So I just started paying attention and listening to people sharing and... You know, made note of the ones that I really connected with and then started, you know, talking to them after a meeting and getting phone numbers. And then suddenly this little gang of gals developed 
And we started socializing after meetings. We'd go have dinner before or after. We'd meet each, at each other's homes. And uh, pretty much all of us were all single. And so we started, you know, just socializing outside of the meetings together and hanging out together. And I started developing new friends. And to this day, 90% of my friends are friends that I made in the program yeah. because they've turned out to be the most incredible friends I could ever have. Yeah. They're there for you no matter what, good times and bad. They can relate. They're supportive. I've got I've I've got friends who not only have my back but they'll call me on my shit. I have friends know? that would give me an organ, you know? Yeah, precisely. Right? Like they show up for me in oh, a more man. profound way than my own family. Oh, listen. It, it, I've been through some pretty traumatic stuff, and they've always been there to just surround me and take care of me and love me through it and show me that, you know, you really can get through anything. Um, it's... It, that's I a, think a, all, one of the wonderful gifts of recovery is. is the fact that you have tools and support to get through anything. Our well, fellow travelers, too, it's fellow like, travelers. We all, yeah. all three of us, have that experience. You know that we all have very close relationships. I don't think and we talk about that enough. That you know, this is one of the gifts of the program. It is. Well, and I was talking to um, somebody at the Friday night meeting. He is moving to um, an area where I grew up in Southern California. And, um, you know, we were talking about that his wife was struggling with the idea. And I said, well, it's easy for us because we, all you have to do is connect to a program there. And yeah. you can, yeah. in 12-step programs, we know how to go deep mm-hmm. very quickly. And that's, I need that for that intimacy. That, because of the lack of intimacy from the childhood, from my family of origin, yeah. connecting with somebody through, you know, my, my honesty you know, the realism, the steps, you know, going to a meeting, following a topic and sharing from the heart what's really, you know, what really is going on with me or what I did and how I fixed it or whatever. So I, you know, I love that part of the program that, yeah, you can have very, I think 80 to 90% of my relationships are from program as well. Well, and I, I also realized that I needed to learn how to do intimacy I didn't really know I you know I all my life I craved to have a relationship with someone that loved me the way that I would I you know why can I find someone like me that will love me and you know I, I have so much love to give how can I can can't find anyone who wants it well I had discovered that I had no idea how to do intimacy and in that, I figured out, you know, I don't really even know how to do all the different kinds of intimate intimacy. There's friendship intimacy. You know, there's obviously love relationship intimacy. Intimacy. There's so many different kinds. And I needed to relearn, if I ever did know, how to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to start with friendships um, and that kind of intimacy before I could even be ready for any other kind. Um, so I had to get through some, you know, pretty unhealthy relationships, um, 
romantic relationships right. before I was ready for a healthy one. I wasn't attracted to healthy people. Well, that's I was it, only attracted to sure, screwed up people. Your project. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. today I even like if I meet somebody and there's a like a little zing of desire, I'm like, what's what's wrong with them? <laughs> Why am I attracted to this person? Because it's gonna be fucked up. <laughs> and I have to like, you know, because my sponsor often tells me I'm not the same person that I was before and so it's different now. So mm-hmm. kind of trust that, you know, it's gonna be okay or my ability to have discernment and boundaries. And to be able to advocate and take action for myself will help me. But I have to say, Lisa, is that I know you are in a relationship now. And it's been such a beautiful experience for me just to see how you guys have stayed connected and how you have continued to develop your relationship. And I, and, and in fact, when marriage equality happened, I mean, I, I get teared up now when I think about it. You know, they went the next day to the judge and they got married and they posted it. And it was just so beautiful to me. And I was like so freaking happy. And I'm like, yes, Aww. absolutely. And it was like, I got to celebrate with you guys, even though I was in New York, but mm-hmm. just to see that. And, um, you know, to have that, you know, you guys were always a couple, right? Mm-hmm. But to be able to see you guys be married, it was yeah. just, you know, so beautiful. So Got tell us a little bit you. about that, the uh, the initial part of that. Like, you know, how you put aside this desire to have a project and met someone and and went through the dating process and well, developed a relationship. You know, I was still... We got to know. Yes. <laughs> What's the secret? I'm going to take notes. I, you know, I don't really know how to answer that uh, other than we both had done some work. I think, I think we both had been in Al-Anon for a couple of years. Um, Nancy and I met in Al-Anon, as a matter of fact. Um, and... You know, I remember seeing her, and she was part of the my little group that started hanging out together. Um, you called you know, it a gang. It, well, I want the lady gang. My, my you know, girl gang. I really my, like the lady gang. My wolf pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we we just started hanging out together, and and Nancy was one of the people who I really connected with when she shared yeah. and I wanted some of what she had no and shit. You know, we all connected in that way um, and just had a lot in common um, and we were just hanging out as friends for several months and um, you know I like I said she had done some work and I had done some work so I don't think we were ready for each other until it happened um, but even initially, we were just friends. I wasn't attracted to her. You know, we were all just friends. And I was still learning how to do that kind of right. intimacy. And then suddenly it changed. Um, it's a very gag me story that we both love to tell. But um, we had all been hanging out. And she was living in a little uh, apartment complex here in Houston, here in Montrose. Um, along with another recovery friend who was in Al-Anon as well. She, they both lived in the same complex. And it was um, uh, Valentine's Day, and we were all single. And so she said, I'm, uh, uh, Brenda decided she wanted to have a, 
uh, a gathering for all the single gals for Valentine's Day who didn't have dates, and so we were going to order pizza and play games. So we did, and um, I was the first to arrive. Nancy was already at Brenda's apartment, and I was the first to arrive, and Brenda greeted me at the door, and I looked in and saw Nancy sitting at the end of the sofa, and... Um, I'm hugging Brenda hello and I look over and see Nancy and it it I don't, I don't know what to tell you it was just the way she was sitting at the end of the sofa like this just grinning up at us and suddenly it changed it was like in that instant I was like hi <laughs> <laughs> hello and, there. yeah all slot out gorgeous. <laughs> and from that moment I mean for I swear it, it seemed like months afterwards every time we would all get together we, you know, somehow managed to find a way to be sitting next to each other, and somehow our knees managed to touch. And, you know, I, I, I'm all nervous and like, oh God, I wonder if she, I, you know, I wonder if she feels like had no. We're not saying anything to each other, but we're somehow managing to sit next to each other everywhere we go. Well, finally, I can't stand it, and I decide that I've got to do something about this. So I call her up and leave her a message and, and uh, get her voicemail. I'm going to go do my laundry. We both ended up doing laundry at the same place, same little washateria in Montrose. And so uh, I tell her, I'm going to go get some laundry done, but I, I, I'd like to ask you out on a date. Please say yes. So uh, you left I'm, that on I'm, a message? About to, I'm about to go get my laundry done. Please say yes. So, you know, call me and let me know. Please say yes. Oh, Jesus. Um, and, you <laughs> know, then as, nervous as, to say as soon as I hang up the phone, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such an idiot. I'm, I, that was the biggest mistake you've ever made. And this is like, before you we could, like, pull it back, you know? Yeah, it was like, way too late. It's a voice it message. Already, you can't pull those back. It was already out there. <laughs> so I go to the laundromat. It's a lovely uh, April evening. I'm in between loads. I'm sitting in my car with the window down thinking... She knows I do my laundry here. Maybe she'll... Oh, what are you thinking? Are you idiot? That never happens. You're such an idiot. What do you... Uh, I kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden there's a little tap on the window, and I look over, and it's Nancy, and she's got a rose. Aww. And she opens the door and says, Yes. <laughs> and the rest is history. Yes. Um, yes. So... Okay. But, but, but here's so, but the, wait a minute yeah I want to know like how long it, how long was this time where there was this energy and you weren't saying anything it was a few months I think it was probably I don't know three or four months maybe and you know once we finally acknowledged it and went on a date and started telling our friends that were like god finally it's been oh my so gosh. obvious every time you guys are in the same room <laughs> sparks are flying it's, it's, we're like what we had no idea how obvious we were being funny. so funny so, so funny. sweet so funny yeah. Anyway, yeah. Nice story. so you know we've we have a lot in common but we have we're really different in a lot of ways too and it's been, I think, because of the fact that we had already done so much work on it ourselves prior to getting together. Yeah. We allow each other the space. I'm not threatened if she wants to go do things with other women, other friends. You know, it, that, it's, that's not been a problem. Um, and if there's ever been a little hint of that, 
in my mind, it's had everything to do with how I was feeling about myself and how connected I am with my higher power. Right. Um, if I've been, you know, disconnected and, you know, not, not doing the work and staying focused and practicing, then I start to get away from it and that weird stuff starts coming back. Well, so, I, it, I believe that, you know, Harville Hendricks has written a lot about relationships and he posits that our biggest work is actually done in relationship. Mm. So do you feel like that has held true for you that you feel like, you know, being in relationship and having to, not having to, let me pull that back, being in relationship and having the opportunity to work through things has deepened your relationship with yourself, deepened your relationship with higher power. Do you believe that? Yeah. 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 Um, just as I said earlier, from experience, I've learned the more connected I am, the more serenity I have and the more empowered I am to handle whatever comes along and that's just how it works it's magic <laughs> it, it really is, magic. is but you know something in your story from the very get go even though there was the incredible outpouring of emotion at your first meeting um, you had a willingness to create some change mm-hmm. maybe not totally conscious of it but right. you knew like this is a fit or you wouldn't have gone back to right. that second meeting exactly I that's the only explanation for why I went back because it was so mortifying it that is. first meeting mm-hmm. and just you know laying myself out raw I've never done that before so something about that as horrifying as it was also told me this is okay and this is where you need to be mm-hmm. so for our listeners out there if you're thinking about going to a meeting any kind of meeting whether it's <laughs> AA or Al-Anon or SLAA which are the programs that I work uh, you know I want to encourage you to have faith to show up for yourself and um, you know I have never been in an Al-Anon meeting where I felt like it was not a safe space. I mean, there were unsafe people maybe in that meeting, right. but generally that's a safe meeting, and most meetings are. It's really an extraordinary thing. Mm-hmm. Wherever in the world you can go to, mm-hmm. you can walk into those it's rooms. Just, It really is magic, I'm telling you. Well, it's, and then the, the other part, though, is that in your outpouring of emotion and going, this is what's going on with me, that's your first step towards intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's being honest and telling people this yeah. is where I am. You know, and that's the thing that I love about meetings is that we get to express what's really going on. And it's like, I'm only close to people that are able to share like that. Yeah. Well, Brene Brown has a Netflix show out and she talks about that, that vulnerability. Right. Mm. That, that is actually vulnerability is the pathway to joy. Like, for those people who are really, like, in, you know, the big book of AA, they talk about happy, joyous, and free. Yeah. Being vulnerable is one of the most courageous things you can do. And I I love that, you know. The fact that it, how much courage it takes to put yourself out there. 
um, you know, whether or not you know you're going to be safe with it. But just having do the it courage anyway. to mm-hmm. do Yeah. And that's what courage and is. And that whole story. Is being you're, afraid. You're, it, uh-huh. And doing it anyway. But doing it anyway. Yeah. It is not the absence of fear by no. any means. No. At all. It's, and there's that whole, you know, that story of you, like, you know, crying and just pouring out this thing, you know, and you don't know it. But it is a lot more courageous than shutting the fuck up and pushing everything down. Mm-hmm. Which I'm is fine. what we think. I'm yes. fine. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. No yeah. problems here. Yeah. yeah. No, it takes was, a lot more me. courage to be like, you know, to... Pour. I remember, you know, when I first started <clears throat> SLAA, I cried every day. Every day for two years. Mm-hmm. And in every meeting I went to. Mm-hmm. And for those of you out there who are not wanting to work now on program, let me just say... Uh, do it because then if you don't you might become a love addict then, <laughs> <laughs> then you have to go to SLAA and then the shit really is yeah and, then it, and it really hurts because you go to SLAA and those motherfuckers don't play <laughs> so you know let me encourage we are you not the easier softer way by no, absolutely not I'm like, oh my god yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming and rapping with us. Thank you so much for asking me. You're welcome. This has been delightful. Yes, you're delightful. Really, you're really <laughs> an inspiration. You and are. I love seeing you in the rooms. I love hearing you share. And I'm so glad we had uh, your company today. Thank you. Thank you. And so, oh, before you go, we, we just want to remind the listeners that if you guys want to get in touch with us, you can email us at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We have our website, www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on iTunes. We are on iTunes, and you can also find us on Facebook, Sober Sisters Talk. We have a page, and every time we publish a podcast, I do put it on there. So you can go back there and look for um, a past past issues. If you're not on iTunes or if you can't get in there, you can go on there and listen. You can share it with friends. You can share it with other people. We do like it when you like and share us if your anonymity allows you to do that. We're trying to carry the message. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.